Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Amidon. And I'm Ann Monroe. And this is The Teacher's Journey, where we discuss mile markers on the road to better teaching. The Teacher's Journey is brought to you by the University of Mississippi School of Education and is an Amidon Planet production. All right. This is episode one, Ann. You excited? I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Well, I was looking around the room. We need to talk to a teacher in order to do this first episode. Because remember, The Teacher's Journey is all about these mile markers of professional development, these mile markers of development as a teacher. And we're looking around. Ooh, actually, I see a teacher right in front of me, Ann. I think you're going to be our first guest. Oh, great. Well, you know what? Let's do it. All right. So we talked about this in the in the trailer, but this is something where we're documenting these, um, the, again, these mile markers of our development on the journey to better teaching. I think we actually named the episode or named the podcast pretty well in that yep. way. And so we're really going to get, dive into it. But first, I want to ask you, Ann, how did you come to be a teacher? What led you to start the journey? Well, I will say that I am from a family of educators. So growing up, uh, my mother has five sisters, and uh, four of them, including my, with my mother, were teachers. And so um, special education teachers. Um, I have a, an aunt that uh, became uh, was a social worker, uh, a teacher, and then eventually an elementary school principal. So I grew up sitting on the laps of my aunts listening to stories about school and teaching and students. And so I sort of say it's genetic for me, um, but I've kind of always wanted wanted to be a teacher. I remember very specifically in fourth grade making that sort of decision. That's definitely what I want to do. But the, one of the funny little anecdotes of that, Joel, is that I remember in fourth grade thinking, I really want to be a teacher, but I sure don't want to get up early, <laughs> forgetting that <laughs> other people get up early <laughs> regardless of other types That's of right. jobs they have. But anyway, um, I, I got over that quickly. So I've always wanted to be a teacher, and I, and I really think, you know, um, one, of, one of my first experiences with teaching was in fifth grade. Um, I uh, had the opportunity to work with some of the kindergartners at my school and mm-hmm. work with them on their reading and um, some word recognition and sight word type stuff, and uh, I volunteered to do that and had an absolute blast doing mm-hmm. that. And so it sort of, you know, um, made me realize that that sort of – inkling in fourth grade to want to be a teacher was definitely, you know, I was on the right track. Yeah. So that's sort of how I became to be, you know, wanted to be a teacher. I went to college specifically to be a teacher, knowing that's what I wanted to do. I didn't change my major or anything <laughs> like that. Uh, nothing wrong with that, but uh, I didn't have to do that because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And so that's what I did. So you're on the journey. And so, you know, we talk about the mile markers of your development as a teacher. And so where would you place one of those significant mile markers. What, what what artifact would you use to represent your your growth as a teacher? Well, I, I think like so, you know, like like everyone and all, all teachers or teachers or, you know, pre service teachers, there's so many things that, that impact us and, and influence uh, our decision making with students. But there's a particular one that I wanted to kind of talk about with this uh, podcast and it's it happened during my very first year of teaching. I uh, had a job teaching third graders in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and it was my very first year, and it was actually the very first month <laughs> of my teaching job. And I had this opportunity to uh, go to a professional development. It was kind of like an extra professional development that uh, teachers could sign up for. And um, Dinah Zyke was coming to town, and some of you may know Dinah Zyke from her paper folding 
uh, books and mm-hmm. things like that. And so uh, my aunt, who was who I mentioned before, that was the elementary school principal. Uh, she was sort of helping to spearhead this professional development, and she said, you should really go to this, and you need to see Dinah Zyke. She's amazing, and we're bringing her into town, and you need to take a professional day, professional day off, you know, development day of your own, and come to this. And I said, how do I do that? You know, Because yeah. I had just been teaching for a couple of weeks. And I was right. like, I'm nervous to even ask my principal, can I get a day to go to this professional development? I just started. I just yeah. started. Yeah. And so... Um, I got to go, and I got. I figured out how to, you know, turn my time in and ask the principal. And he said that sounds like a great opportunity. And it was a full day workshop, and I had the absolute best time. And Dinah Zyke did her entire paper folding workshop. I have her book. Uh, I bought the book at the um, workshop, and I still have it. I'm holding it right now, and it has my old teacher name in it. Oh from my when goodness! I wrote yep, there it is. My maiden name, <laughs> and then underneath it, it has my name now with my office number. So in case, <laughs> in case right, somebody yeah. finds it, I want it back. It's like my treasured, prized possession. I actually couldn't find it earlier this summer, and I, I remembered I'd let somebody borrow it, but. I also remembered, like, I wouldn't let just anybody borrow it. So I was, like, hitting up in the email all of my trusted colleagues. Do you have my book? Do you have my book? Anyway, I found it. Um, So I still have this this book. But she taught all of these paper folding techniques, and it sounded crazy. Like, I remember my aunt said, it sounds funny, but she teaches you how to fold paper. And I was like, how is that going to help me? But it's more than that. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you create these 3D graphic organizers? How do you get students to write across the curriculum? How do you connect, you know? visuals with their learning and all sorts of things that we learned about. So right away, I wanted to start using some of the things we did in the workshop. And so I went back to my classroom the next day. And we had I'd been I started a unit in um, in science on plants. And in third grade, there, there are four parts of a plant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are more parts, but not until That's after right. third yeah, yeah. grade. But in third grade, there are four parts of a plant. And we had been talking about those and the functions of those with the roots, the stem, the leaves, mm-hmm. the flower, and what those do for the plant and what they need and that kind of thing. And so I thought I could use one of these paper folds and do a culminating project where the students create um, the four parts of a plant on this paper fold, and then describe the functions and yeah, yeah. that that and uh, you know of the of the different types uh, parts of the plant. And so I went back to my uh, classroom. I pulled out all of my scrap, you know, that I've been collecting over the years, like scrap materials yeah, and yeah. paper, and put all the construction paper out on the back table and got the students to start doing the fold, which is like Dinah Zyke's vocabulary, four-flat four vocabulary fold, and they were going to put the roots at the bottom, the stem, the leaves, and the flower. And on the front of each flap, they were literally going to use scrap paper. And I was like, you know, cut out some roots. Make your roots look however you want those. You yeah, know, yeah. glue those to the front of this, the bottom flap. Make your stem. Make your leaves. You know, pick all the colors you want. Make your flower at the top. And then open up the flap and write about yeah, yeah. The part of the plant. And I was like, this is going to be great. Well, they turned out beautifully. I was so excited. Nice. My kids did a great job. Every every plant looked different. Every flower looked different. Um, and the, the funny thing was that it looked like the kids' personalities, which is great. <laughs> you know, you had, you know, Travis's roots were all crazy at the bottom, just <laughs> like he was, awesome and crazy. And, you know, and you had um, Kate's flower at the top was beautiful and purple and, uh, you know, pink and all the things that reminded me of Kate. And so, um, and then they wrote on the inside and they were excited to do it. And they, um, you know, they really enjoyed it. And I was so proud of them. I thought, this is something I'm going to hang up. This will be the first thing I hang up outside of my door. I had oh, this yeah. great wall space. Mm-hmm. And you know how teachers like to pick the best looking stuff to hang out yeah, inside. Yeah. And so we, uh, I mounted the, their uh, little booklets or their four flap folded booklets 
onto construction paper, put their names on the bottom and staple them all up or, you know, hook them all up outside of my classroom door. And within like two days, all of the teachers, there were like 11 third grade classes. This is a big, oh, a big you school. know, school. Yeah, yeah. And they all came in like, oh, we want to do that. We want to do that. All these teachers. And I had these, they were amazing teachers at the school. It was just an amazing ex- first year you know, experience. But yeah, I had you're one month in and they want to do what you're doing. I was doing. like, oh, that That's made awesome. me feel great, right? Yeah, yeah. And I had these two amazing um, mentor teachers and they were like, we want to do that. Like, sh- please show us how to do that. And so I showed them mm-hmm. how to do it and I was all excited to share what I had learned at this workshop. And so a few days later, they start putting theirs up in the hallway and I notice theirs look a little different than mine. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, hmm. And I noticed that Every single one of their kids' flowers was exactly the same, just different colors. All of the leaves looked exactly the same, just different colors. All of the roots looked exactly the same, Uh same color. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, my. And then I realized that they had created stencils. For their mm. kids out of manila folders, you know, teachers yeah, yeah. are really good at stuff like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they had and they had just passed the stencils around and the kids picked the colors. And my initial thought as a brand new teacher was, oh no, I've done it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Theirs looks so neat. Right. And I should have done stencils. And I thought that for about a half a second. <laughs> and then I decided, you know what? Nope, mine are better. I was like, Travis's gnarly roots are awesome. Mm-hmm. Kate's gigantic purple and pink flower is amazing, and it looks nothing like anyone else's. Right. Um, and so it was sort of that realization that just because I'm new or just because I may be doing something a little differently than everyone else doesn't mean that what I'm doing is wrong or not the right way. Mm -hmm. And so it was sort of a, in a way it was like a confidence builder Yeah. because not only were people wanting to do something that I had done and they found value in that, something I had learned and brought back to my classroom, but also that just because I did it in a different way doesn't mean that my way was inferior and in fact actually i think my way was better yeah um so that that's sort of that mile marker where i started thinking you know i have i i can make good decisions right. you know that, that that my initial decisions my initial impulse or um you know thought to do something a certain way for the kids was right mm-hmm. and my whole idea of letting them choose their flower was so they could have some creativity right have an outlet for self-expression let them do it their way. Mm-hmm. And so um, give them some choice. That was my initial thought, and I think it was right. Well, as, and I mean, not to put more on you, but uh, like as a trailblazer, but like you were doing STEAM before STEAM, like, right? The art, artistic expression, being able to. Exactly, like, yeah, Joel. That, I didn't even know it. Yeah, there you go. But like, yeah, for those of you unfamiliar, like STEAM is uh, STEM with the arts integrated within. And so like having that chance for each of Anne's students to express themselves through the creation of these flowers. I mean, that's what a better way to lead to engagement. Like I'm going to make my flower the way I want to. I'm still representing the parts of the flower or parts of the plant, but I'm doing it in and, and also expressing my creativity. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And not all plants look alike. <laughs> not all flowers are the same. And that's, for good reason, right? And there's also right. scientific reasons behind yeah. that. So, so good. Okay. So, and then, so we have our artifact. I mean, the book is right here, so we can point to that as our artifact. So like, there's like this, you know, if we want to imagine like these, those uh, green historical marker signs on the, on the road, on the journey that we're taking. So we've got our sign. It's pl- so we've kind of already, we described the context, like what's around it. We also, you know, talked about why this is important to you and your growth as a teacher giving you that confidence um 
I mean, so there's a couple of things. Like one, you learn you have the op- you can develop with outside. Pe- I mean, just just knowing that you can find and seek out those opportunities to develop. You know, because sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think when we're teachers, sometimes we think, well, I can come up with all the answers myself. Right. And even though we go to classes, like, you know, we still have this like self-reliance. And so mm-hmm. there is something like, oh, wow, that's cool. I'm going to do that. And then the fact that you saw your your peers wanting to do what you were doing as well, that's kind of a nice lesson. But then also the 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 confidence in your abilities to, I'm going to make this. No, no, no. I did this right. I make this decision as a teacher. So why, how does, so that's why it's important to you and your growth as a teacher, but what does the field have to say? So like, this is important because we should also, one of the things we want to do is tie this into standards. There's standards for teacher development that we want to uh, look to, uh, to say like, is this also important to the field? Is, is there like standards that would apply to this situation? I think there is. And I think um, if you look at the NTASC core teaching standards. What is uh, NTASC stand So for? NTASC is Interstate New Teacher Assessment and Support Consortium. There we go. All right. So it's a lot. Yep. But, but we go by NTASC uh, but it's, here. You know, yeah. NTASC, um, you know, there are 10 standards um, for good teaching. It's just yeah. 10, you know, basic standards for good teaching. And... Um, the learner and learning is one domain of the in-task standards. And um, standard one says the teacher understands how learners grow and develop. And I think this sort of example of mine by using, you know, utilizing students' creativity and letting them express themselves and have choice, that that shows that I had an understanding of how learners grow and develop. Mm-hmm. You know, that everyone's a little bit different. Travis is gnarly uh you know, roots are totally fine, and it's if he has freedom of expression to make them the way he wants, he's going to make them the way he can mm-hmm. and the way he wants. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, speaks to NTAS standard one. The teacher understands how learners grow and develop. Also, standard three under the learner and learning, um, encouraging positive social interaction, active engagement and learning, and self-motivation. Yeah. We know that Absolutely. if we give students choice and, um, you know, what they are doing in the classroom, they're more motivated. We know mm-hmm. that motivation and choice go hand in hand. Right. And so where you can give students choice, still within the, the framework of your standards and what you need them to do, you should give them the choice. Mm-hmm. And so I think it speaks to standard three as well, encouraging positive social interaction, active engagement and learning, and self-motivation. So not only was this something, an area for me to grow, it was also, you know, showing that I was meeting or, or you know, in some ways, meeting these standards as yeah. a young teacher. Yeah. And w- one thing I want to add to, Joel, uh, about this particular artifact um, that I'm talking about is that I'm still using the Dynazyke foldables <laughs> in my college classroom. I've been using them for years. I started using them the day after I left her workshop and have not stopped. So my kids, all that first year, we used almost every foldable I learned yeah, yeah. in some way. We decorated our room. We did... Um, we did um, Venn diagrams, comparing mm-hmm. and contrasting. Uh, we did uh, a flip book, uh, one of her flip books about one of the stories that we read. I and mean, we I used them all the time because it was successful. Yeah. And the students liked them. And I haven't stopped. I literally have not stopped. I've been using them in college, in the college classroom. And so it's one of those mile markers that's that's been a really sturdy one for me. Nice. And one that's, you know, um, I, I keep going back to. So I think that's that's really neat. And I think, you know, just knowing you as a a colleague for a while now, um, thinking about the importance of students having choice and feeling like they belong in a classroom. And even at at our level where we're teaching teachers, I mean, still, like, there's – everyone has a desire to belong and feel like that they have – they can – 
make choices and, and do things and like, like that the teacher cares about their engagement in the classroom mm-hmm. by doing that and by, by honoring the students, which definitely what you did in that, um, that example that you gave up from your first months of teaching. I mean, you are yeah, demonstrating growth in that area. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're teaching third grade or you're teaching ninth graders or you're teaching 12th graders, you're teaching human beings. When you go to college, it's the same. You're teaching yeah, human yeah. beings. People don't change. People, the, the needs that we have as young people are the same needs we have as college students, the same needs that we have as teachers. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously some differences, but in terms of the, 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 the need to want to um, give something a try, the need to want to have some choice and, and some say in what's going on, yeah. to have some purpose in what you're doing. This is important whether you're teaching kindergartners or college students or, you know, doctoral students, yeah. you know, at the very far end. So these are important lessons. And, um, you know, I just think that's, you know, uh, good teaching is good teaching. And mm-hmm. I think that um, that's something the more and more that I um, experience that I have as a teacher, the more I see these similarities from things that worked in my third grade classroom to things that work with high school students to things that work in the college classroom, because it's about humanity. Yeah. And we as humans, what do we need? And what do we need to get out of something? And how do we feel valued? And how do we feel uh, that what uh, we're doing is contributing. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it, Anne, that you shared something from your first months of teaching because we have some of our graduates there in their first month right now That's of right. teaching, uh, teaching, uh, hopefully coming out of a pandemic here and, and just knowing that they might be having a major mile marker of their development. Like we have hindsight. We won't say how much hindsight you have right now from your, this experience, but yeah, <laughs> yeah a, a, decent, <laughs> a decent amount of hindsight, but like the fact that, you know, and that's again, part of this, the purpose of this podcast is to help people see like, cause sometimes you're so close to this situation, like, wow, this is really meaningful to me. And like, could this be a mile? Like, could this be a mile marker? It's kind of hard because you're in the weeds. It is and doing hard, it. right? When you're up against it. Yeah. yeah. And, but thinking back, like, wow, that was a moment. And so we're kind of flipping on some sensors so that people can identify and, uh, and call out these mile markers of their development so that they can one honor them, but then two build on them and think about where do they go from there? And, and we just heard like, this is something that's rippled throughout mm-hmm. your journey as a teacher. And I think, so, you know, some mile markers are really positive. Like mm-hmm. this example that I'm giving, you know, something that really worked out for me yeah. and continues to be beneficial. And sometimes a mile marker is not always yeah. as positive. It's something you learn not to do or mm-hmm. you made a mistake, but it's a mile marker. So I think it's important um, as people think about their journey as a teacher and those mile markers that, you know, sometimes they're really positive right. and, um, they're, you know, feel good mile markers and sometimes they're wrong turns yeah. and a wrong turn is okay. As long as you get right back on the road and you start going in the right direction because the wrong turn, you know, not to go down that road again. Right. And so, you know, they'll vary. These, these mile markers are different. They'll vary. They're right in front of, in front of your face before you, when you don't even realize it, they're, sometimes they're obvious, sometimes mm-hmm. they're not. But when you look back, um, you're where you are because of, you know, your experiences in these and these mile markers. So take advantage and learn from every situation. Perfect. Well, there we go. That was first episode here. So thank you for tuning into the teacher's journey. This episode may be over, but the journey to better teaching continues. Please subscribe. So you're notified when the next episode is ready for you to listen. And if you'd like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. And finally, thank you for taking the journey to better teaching. This world is a better place because you have used the gifts you have been given to teach others.